Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. All-star closer, Kenley Jansen, we have a question. What's the best podcast of all time? Baseball isn't boring, baby. I'm Rob Bradford, and every single day I'm sitting down with the biggest names to show you this great game is the greatest game. It's my podcast. It's my passion. It's a cause I started more than two years ago and is now the most prolific national daily baseball pod there is. Another fact, so jump aboard the B.I.B. Express. Follow and listen to Baseball Isn't Boring, presented by Wasabi Hot Cloud Storage on the free Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. Betsy Brantner-Smith, happy Friday. Hey, thanks, Don. Thanks for having me. There's <laughs> there's so much to unpack yes. in House Bill 863 and uh, and so much of the other legislation. I'm so glad to be with you. Yeah, great. Great to have you here. Let's get into it. So take me through some of these. And I just wanted to headline some of them, even though I've been talking about them this morning. I just want to headline some as I know you're going to go through them. But you know, what's your take? I'll, you know what? I'll begin on the mask mandate in the city of Philadelphia, ski mask mandate. So unless you're sledding and it's snowing or unless it's a religious head garb, they're saying that if you're caught in the city of Philadelphia and you have that full ski mask, which, by the way, I just saw a guy this morning, creepy guy in the corner, and I ran the red line. I rolled through a red line. I know Anthony laughs, our producer, because we know we will, we're going to roll through the red light because... uh that guy, he's, yeah, he's up to nothing good. Should I test out the ski mask at the event tonight <laughs> when we go? <laughs> exactly, Anthony. <laughs> well, here's the thing. I would encourage everybody to go online and watch the videos from Milford, Connecticut, a couple of days ago. There was a huge team takeover, um, and I want you to look at all of the ski masks and baklavas that were worn during that insane team takeover where a police officer was attacked, punched, kicked. He had M80s thrown at him. It was insane. It made national news in little tiny Milford, Connecticut. So if anybody has a question about why they should have this, you know, why we should enact this no uh, ski mask law, which, again, everybody, if you haven't read the law, read it. It's very specific to certain areas. There's um, also... Uh, exceptions to it. Mm-hmm. I think if you really take a look at it, you'll see that it's a it's a very good thing and and gives the police a little more and the courts a little more teeth to stop some of the violent crime that's being committed by these mass marauders, if you will. Yeah, yeah, and I think it's something that is popular in the city of Philadelphia, and and I think that's a good sign that. Um, those individuals who used to be in our city council who were who I don't even think represented people in the city but are more aligned with and were endorsed by people like AOC and they're more aligned with maybe wealthier suburbanites you know some of those we've gotten rid of in city council thank god and i think there is a new change of the guard and i know i'm being half glass full and i'm hoping to god that that's what's taking place here betsy um, but, right. you know, because I, you know, I live in the city, I work in the city, I, and we've talked about this, 
I have people tell me every single day, no, I'm not going to go into the city. We have a big event tonight. Although I will say to you this, it's a law enforcement event. So it's the one time when you know you, you are fully protected when you have a law enforcement <laughs> fundraiser. <right? laughs> so good security. Um, but take me through some of the other, you know, for example, in, in Pennsylvania, the new law will lower the fitness requirements for, pers- for prospective officers. Yeah. What do you make of that? I find that very frustrating, and I want people to think about this. From 2020 on, and really before 2020, what did we hear? We wanted our police officers to be better educated. We wanted them to be better at their jobs. We wanted them to be able to do things physically so that they did, you know, like physically restrain somebody so that they didn't have to shoot somebody, things like that. Now you can get into the police academy in uh, Pennsylvania in certain size cities by only passing the fitness standards at the 15th percentile as long as you get it up to the 30th percentile by the time you graduate the police academy. Now, I want everybody to think about when you go to your doctor, for example, do you want that doctor to say, hey, you know, just so you know, when I entered medical school, I was in the 15th percentile of my class, but I got it up to the 30th percentile by the time I graduated. I don't think that lowering fitness standards and also um, you know, if they're going to change the academic standards, things like that, which, you know, the the governor actually toyed with a little bit uh, previously. Uh, I think this is a terrible idea. <clears throat> Famously, uh, Juanita Holmes from the NYPD, who at one time was in charge of training very recently, said that we're going to take out that 1.5 mile run because no police officer chases somebody for 1.5 miles. Mm-hmm. That's not why we want you to run 1.5 miles in a specific amount of time. We want to know that you have cardiovascular fitness. And we know that we have a problem with fitness and weight in this country in general. Now we have it in the military, and now we're going to have it in, in, in the police department. And it's not just that you want police officers to be able to uh, do their job cardiovascularly, which means last in a fight, you know, being able to pursue somebody, things like that. But don't forget, as taxpayers, when you have that unhealthy, overweight, out-of-shape cop, you're going to end up paying for them probably for the rest of their lives because they're going to end up on some sort of uh, disability pension things like that. And when you look at Philadelphia specifically, you already have a very short-staffed police department. You've got right now, there's 800 cops in Philadelphia in what they call the DROP program. That's the Deferred yes. Pension Program. And and this has been going on since 2020. Yeah. And uh, I don't think this is the way to, I know it's not the way, to restaff the police department's uh, and it's the large police departments in Pennsylvania. What you know, there's other things that we can do, um, which, as you and I have talked about many times, is uplifting law enforcement officers, making them want to stay, making them want to continue on their mission to protect their communities. In other words, stop vilifying them and demonizing them and trying to put them in prison. And let's go back to putting bad guys in prison. Yes, Larry Krasner, I'm talking to you. Um, <laughs> So I don't think lowering fitness standards does anyone 
any good, certainly not the citizens. Yeah. Yeah, I I will I, I could go off on a whole thing and I'm sure you could too thinking about like in just as far as pay raises go for and pay of of Philadelphia cops when I think about this, our legislature here, they're all getting raises. So in other words, the House speaker in who's a Democrat from Philadelphia, her pay raise her because they all got a raise, they gave them themselves a raise is $166,000 a year. The average salary of a rank and file lawmaker rises to to one hundred six thousand dollars. So even though in in public a lot of times people talk about the pay of and the budget size for cops and teachers even, but nobody's making one hundred sixty six thousand dollars. In fact, the average Philadelphia police officer makes one hundred thousand dollars less than that. Makes about sixty six grand with the overtime, etc. Uh, so to me, sometimes I think I think we have to look at this and reevaluate these jobs, and maybe maybe right, take right. and maybe do, really present it like that to the public and say, why are we paying lawmakers who, you know, are you know they get months off at a time, cops not so much. Exactly, and and it you know you you hear the legislators talk about well we're going to do this because we want to make the police academy more fair things like that. And, and frankly, I find that kind of offensive, mm-hmm. um, you know, making it fair for, for who? And, 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 you, and exactly what you're saying, you know, they, they give themselves these pay raises, but they're lowering fitness standards and other things, but they're doing more things like the Clean Slate Act um, that benefits criminals as opposed to doing things that benefit their law enforcement, um, so, you know, and, and again, not that I'm, you know, I've read the Clean Slate Act and I've looked at the, the probation rules that are, are going to be changing. That's not necessarily all a terrible thing. But as you work as, a, as an elected official to make things so much easier for the criminals in your district or in your state, how about doing some things for the cops other than lowering standards for those young cops that are going to be backing up the cops that have committed to your jurisdiction for 10, 20, or 30 years. Yeah, it's so true. You know, I've headlined so many, there are so many different laws that are coming in to, to play here as I was headlining them this morning. But when you look at the other standards, um, as far as, did we talk yet about the standardized? No, we didn't yet. So not having a college education, do you think that's a good idea? I think that's been met with a lot of positive reaction as far as cops don't have to have, you know, earned their associate's degree. You know, 15 years ago, I would have said every cop should have at least a two-year degree. I, I was from an agency where everybody had to have a four-year degree. But now, because of the changes on our college campuses and um, so much of the nonsense that occurs on our college campuses, um, <clears throat> I've changed my stance on that. And, and I think that that uh, police officers don't necessarily need to be college educated, but, you know, you have to be 21 years old to be a police officer. So you want to look at what, what has I, you know, I became a police officer at 21. So what did I do from 18 to 21? I went to college because I needed to do something. But I also worked. I was a police dispatcher. Um and uh, so I think what we need to look at is the overall 
um, <clears throat> nature of what this person has been doing, you know, with their life prior to applying to become a police officer. So, and I will say this, that I do think two years of community college is good for anybody. And, and right now, I think community college is a lot better for people than are most of our four-year institutions. But, um, but I would like to see police departments offer incentives for police officers once they get out of the academy and off probation mm -hmm. to go to college while uh, they're police officers. I think it does make for a well-rounded person, but I no longer see it as an absolute requirement just to take the job. Yeah, absolutely. I do want to get to the, the stats, the taking of stats, and get to that story. It's, it, it has been a story here in Philadelphia, and even recently, the District Attorney Larry Krasner, uh, who I know you, you talk about uh, <laughs> as well in, in New York, you hear they, they'll hold a news conference, and they'll say, oh, well, this is going to, first of all, it feels obscene when they talk about percentages, because people are not percentages, but just overall, when you look across the country at the National Police Association, you see these news conferences, like with Krasner's talking about in Philadelphia, oh, the crime has gone down, sure doesn't feel like it, New York, the stats, and the manipulation of crime stats. Well, absolutely. And, you know, it, it's interesting because, you know, the New York Post put out this this article, uh, you know, because in, in New York they were touting, oh, crime's down, this and that. And and the Post made such a great point. We need to take everything back to 2019. And so when I looked at Philadelphia's homicides, I found all these articles in 2019. Record homicides in Philadelphia in 2019, you know, 356. Mm -hmm. And what what happened? They went up in 2021 to what? 562 homicides. Yeah. So 356 now sounds like a low amount of homicides. So yeah, now in 2023, you can say, well, crime's going down, homicides going down. You know, St. Louis, for example, is no longer the homicide capital of the country. It's now New Orleans. Uh, but, it, but again, is crime in St. Louis, uh, you know, down from 2019? Absolutely not. Same thing in Chicago. They've got homicides down. Um, by, you know, a, a few percentage points in, uh, you know, we've got to look at the statistics based on pre-George Floyd, but more importantly, pre-woke prosecutors, mm -hmm. pre-bail reform, and pre-the attack on the American police officer and the American justice system uh, that happened in 2020. And you can go through Every single city, Washington, D.C., Seattle, you know, Austin, Texas. Austin, Texas used to be one of the most safest cities to visit. And when they defunded their police department in 2020, crime rose 26%. Portland, Oregon, we could go on and on and on. And uh, this manipulation of statistics is wrong. And I hope people aren't falling for it. And I'm so glad the New York Post decided to point this out. What's your take on the experiment or some some counties, some states, such as I believe Illinois, pushing for the ability to hire folks who are non-citizens, who are on their pathway to citizenship, maybe they have a work visa, and let's say they're Spanish-speaking, 
to be hired amid the, the recruitment issues that we've talked about, the shortages in law enforcement, and as well, for example, here in, in Philadelphia, because we have these crime rings of individuals who've either come illegally across the border or worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. All-star closer, Kenley Jansen, we have a question. What's the best podcast of all time? Baseball isn't boring, baby. I'm Rob Bradford, and every single day I'm sitting down with the biggest names to show you this great game is the greatest game. It's my podcast. It's my passion. It's a cause I started more than two years ago and is now the most prolific national daily baseball pod there is. Another fact. So jump aboard the B.I.B. Express. Follow and listen to Baseball Isn't Boring, presented by Wasabi Hot Cloud Storage on the free Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. Their visas have expired, but they're Spanish-speaking. And so the, the argument is, well, if you have folks who are willing, who are coming to this country, they're doing things legally, they're on the list, but not yet a citizen, but they're Spanish speaking, they're hardworking, etc. Where do you stand on that issue of a non-citizen, like I say, on the pathway to becoming a citizen, not, not coming here illegally or anything of that nature? Where, where do you stand on that? Well, the LAPD just graduated its first class of DACA recipient uh, police recruits. And right now they have a huge dilemma that they're trying to work through because federal law prohibits a non-citizen from owning a firearm. So how do you have a job to carry a firearm, but you can't take your firearm home with you? And the LAPD has some requirements that uh, Los Angeles police officers have to carry their firearms off duty when they're in the city of Los Angeles. A lot of other jurisdictions have that. Um, so this is a this is a real conundrum. I, I, in Illinois, of you know, my native Illinois, um, we're looking at, at doing the same thing. <clears throat> Here's the problem: Are you going to have a non-citizen? Someone who either willingly or unwittingly, because a lot of these DACA kids were brought here as kids, um, broke the law. But more importantly, are you going to allow non-citizens to arrest, to take away the liberty of citizens of the United States? It's a real conundrum. I don't, I'm not saying that all the DACA uh, mm-hmm. folks are criminals by any way, shape, or form, but... Law enforcement officers are agents of the government, and to willingly bring in agents of the government that are currently still breaking the laws of the United States, I think it's a real problem, and I think it erodes the justice system. It's great to have uh, diversity in our, uh, in our police departments, but I think that there are better ways, including making some decisions about uh, DACA, whether or not these people are going to be 
citizens or visa holders or whatever it is. You know, I saw a poll of law enforcement and they listed their greatest fears or their greatest concerns among those who protect and, and serve. And this is more on a national level. And by the way, ambush attacks and crime spikes were not in the top four. <laughs> um, so one of the concerns was um, dealing with, you know, recruit and retention among police departments. And so that the officers are concerned about, you know, because they can't recruit and they're working these 12-hour shifts, those kinds of issues. Number two was the, and this is here in Philadelphia, that, you know, fearing and, and the risk of, you know, prosecution for any kind of on-duty actions with these liberal, you know, or I shouldn't even say liberal, progressive DAs, officer wellness and morale, that was a top one too. And then another one, the media coverage of police, how they're portrayed in the media. It just struck me as we continue the conversation with Sergeant Betsy Brantner-Smith of the National Police Association, it struck me that of the top issues concern, you know, concerning law enforcement, and those who protect and serve, being attacked or ambush attacked on the job was w- did not even make the top three or four. Well, you know, when you become a cop, you know that there's uh, some likelihood that you're going to get injured, that you're going to get shot, that you're going to get ambushed. You know, and we and we train for that. When I started in the 1980s, we were we were losing 250 police officers a year to line of duty deaths. You know, we've shaved that down to under 150. Um, you know, we knew that you don't really think about that, to be honest, when you yeah. become a cop, you train, you train to deal with it, <laughs> but it's much more difficult for us to have to deal with being maligned in the media and certainly being prosecuted for doing our jobs, and this is something that we have seen, you know, since 2014 and ramped up since 2020. I mean, look at what happened in Travis yes. County, Texas. You know, the the D, the progressive DA there uh, indicted all of these Austin police officers for simply their doing their jobs, and those almost all those cases just got dropped. But those police officers have had to live under that mm-hmm. for two years. And the stress on your family, you know, I, I, I encourage everyone to watch the free film, The Fall of Minneapolis, and yes. look at those, look into the faces of those police officers yes. that Liz Collin interviews and how difficult it was yes. to be maligned and to be abandoned by your agency. That's what concerns cops. And- not getting hurt, not getting ambushed. And Betsy Brantner-Smith, Sergeant Betsy, thank you so much, National Police Association. All-star closer, Kenley Jansen, we have a question. What's the best podcast of all time? Baseball isn't boring, baby. I'm Rob Bradford, and every single day I'm sitting down with the biggest names to show you this great game is the greatest game. It's my podcast. It's my passion. It's a cause I started more than two years ago and is now the most prolific national daily baseball pod there is. Another fact, so jump aboard the B.I.B. Express. Follow and listen to Baseball Isn't Boring, presented by Wasabi Hot Cloud Storage on the free Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts.